welcome to the International Bus Podcast, brought to you by Wurpi. My name is Tanja Falkner, and this episode is a recording from a recent panel discussion, where experts from Gaia Mobile, Wuga, Ubisoft and Nordeus will be talking about game localization reporting. So, hello everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our web panel on reporting processes in game localization. In games localization as in localization in general, well-designed process and also a good structure on reporting is key elements that can make or break a successful game localization project. So my name is Aline. I'm a business development manager at WordBee. And I also have a background in games localization. So this is a topic that really comes close to my heart. And I'm really happy to be joined by great experts in the field. We have with us today Leonie Aoki from Wuga, Senior Localization Manager. We have Sarah Prasad from Gaia Mobile. She's game writer and localization producer. We also have Yasmin Yelacha from uh, Nordius, uh, who's a localization lead over there. And we might be joined in a little bit by another panelist. Yes, there she is. Welcome, Concepcion Gonzalez from Ubisoft, Senior Localization Project Manager in the Paris studio. So, yeah, before we dive into the discussion, it would be great for our panelists to quickly introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about localization in your organizations. How is it structured? Where do you sit in a company structure? And who do you report to as well as a localization department? So, Leonie, would you like to start? Sure. So, my name is Leonie. I work at WUGA. We are based in Germany in Berlin. I am a senior localization manager. I work in a team of four people right now, including a team lead. And we are part of the publishing team. So ultimately, the team lead from localization is reporting to the publishing VP. But we also work very closely to each studio at WUCA. Okay, thank you. Yasmin, would you want to go next? Sure. So my name is Yasmin. Feel free to call me Jess, it's easier probably. <laughs> I'm the localization lead at Nordius, we're a gaming company based in Belgrade, Serbia. We have a team of three people. We support all our products, we support all the text that is published by Nordius basically. And uh, I report to the CMO, so we're part of the marketing work. Okay, thank you. And Concepcion, how is it for you and Ubisoft? So it's simple. I'm working on the studio of Paris. I'm lucky enough to work with a group of developers. I'm a little bit uh, the contact point between the devs and the vendors because, you know, uh, the internal team is not located in Paris. So I'm doing the project management. I'm working a lot on everything that is related to internationalization, everything that is coordination with the vendors and the agencies, working also in coordination with the testers and, and all that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. And Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I work for uh, Gaia Mobile, which is based in Beijing, China. I'm actually working remotely, so I don't sit with the team anymore. I actually work mostly with the dev team rather than localization, but our localization team is in-house and has around 10 members. And we have a localization project manager who handles that team and reports to the studio head. Okay. That's great. So 
you all talked a little bit about the organization and how is it structured. So who in your organizations is actually responsible for the localization process? So who is the team or the people specifically that set up processes, design them, document them and so on? Well, basically for us, it's the whole team. Essentially, I'm the one accountable for making sure that the processes are fine and uh, we can deliver what we say we will deliver. But in general, all localization team members are localization advocates. That's how we see them here. And they are all gatekeepers for the process that we have. So basically for us, it's all of us. Okay. And I think how that is that? that? Yeah, I think that that resonates a lot with the way of working at Ubisoft, but also in my, my previous yeah. company. And it's, you know, everybody's a little bit, uh, well, it's, we work in collaboration, right? But it's true that mm -hmm. they have the feeling that in some at the same time, right, it's more up to the project manager and the, the management team to, to yeah. make sure, you know, to reinforce, to make sure that, uh, to allocate also some time, right, to work on the processes and in a way yeah. to have that ownership. Yeah, I think ownership is really important there. So who does the ownership have and at VUGA? For us, the process is, I mean, when it comes to localization, the localization team owns the process of course we have a team lead so ultimately she is the one responsible on paper but we all are accountable for what we do so yes it's a team effort and yeah. ownership yeah and Sarah how is that for you guys basically it falls on the head of the localization project manager if the team doesn't perform so all the processes are handled by that one person if they don't meet the deadline on my end, then it's my fault, I guess, with the dev teams. So I'm responsible for the dev side and he's responsible for the localization team. Okay. And you just mentioned it's kind of like shared. There is responsibility on the dev side. There's responsibility on localization. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think, in localization in general, there's a lot of processes that touch a lot of different teams, especially when yeah. it comes to the end of the process if you are just shortly before launch. So how do you handle this when it also maybe comes to clashing priorities between the teams? Have there ever been any issues in terms of process where the expectations were not clearly set? I guess on our side, basically the localization team has been able so far to meet all the deadlines that we've set and we structure the life cycles of the games in a way that they release in sync so they're not all releasing at the same time that the teams are pushed so yeah. it's a nice flow yeah and how is that for the other ones i think i think the process helps clarify the priority itself on its own so it's not really down to us to chase the priorities but it's crystal clear and also in i can speak for wuga but our processes are sort of part of the communication so everybody knows this is how it's done, yeah. this is how it's going to be. So yeah, we also never miss the deadline in that sense. Yay, congratulations. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest fears of uh, the localization team to uh, not being able to make yeah. it in the end. Yeah. But you just mentioned an important part as well is the communication. So process is part of communication. Everybody knows what yeah. needs to be done. So. How is that handled for you guys, for example, at Nordios? How do you do that? Yeah, so 
we had those issues way back in the days and uh, yeah. we addressed them kind of proactively as the localization team so uh, we kind of managed to get involved in the early design process and stages of the of the process mm -hmm. so to ensure that we don't have any buttons that don't fit and the text that is not easy to localize and that the character limitations are set and so on so we're basically trying to prevent all of those issues and all of those issues where we are like the last to know or the last in line yeah. which is kind of the traditional waterfall model we really try to communicate with the design team as early as possible then also with the developers that take that design so we try to prevent this issues to happen in the first yeah. place and yeah. uh, right now we're it's working really well but yeah communication is key definitely yeah so. i think it's also important at least for the for the pm to be involved on all that discussions and to be present also in all that discussions and that everybody understand also the role of the pm in terms of communication right when something yeah. wrong happened you know you have already created that relationship and everybody knows why you are there and that you're there to help right that you're not there to point fingers or anything like that so I think that yeah. uh, the role of the PM is really key in terms of communicating about uh, about the processes. Yeah, I think that's really true. But how do you communicate them? Do you have them documented in a specific area or how do you handle that in your teams? I think you need to document them. It's kind of part of the process, right? For me, the, the key aspect of uh, communicating the process is uh, first involving everybody on the on how we are going to do things and why we're doing things that way. This is a lot of talking, you know, this is a lot of, well, a lot of, it depends on the project, on the process, right? But usually yeah. it's having different meetings with different stakeholders, discussing, drafting, correcting. And for me, it's really important that all that documentation is clear and simple. My way of working, it's going from um, like a macro structure to more details, right? But at least in a really visual way, everybody can get a hint on what's going on with the process, right? It's not complex. Yeah. It's really simple to see. And to have it in some kind of wiki or, you know, conference page where everybody can access and keep it as a live-in document, you know, that you can actually yeah. dynamic. So I think that that's the key, the key point. So involve everybody since the very beginning, make sure that documentation is clear and visual and uh, make sure that it's flexible, right? Because you know that the process is going to change. Very likely so. <laughs> For us, we also, we have a localization session as part of our new employee onboarding. So uh, where we explain what is localization, it's not only translation, why we're doing this, how many languages, what are some of the basic processes that we use in the company and in the department. And then uh, it goes further to uh, educating all of our stakeholders. We had presentations that we held for game designers and for developers about internationalization, about culturalization and so on. So every new designer that joins any of the products, any new developer that joins any of the products, we have one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. Um, trying to educate them about localization, trying to let them know, okay, these are more or less our requirements, but this is where we will work together and so on. And uh, this helped us a lot. So, Yeah. I think for us, it's almost exactly the same as what Jasmine said. 
we make sure to keep the processes not in a Word document, but more like a slideshow. So we can always use it in a presentation because we have company-wide presentations every week on a weekly basis. And sometimes we get a slot for localization updates. So it's easy to reuse it also. And uh, when we're talking one-on-one -on -one with people, it's just more visual. So yeah, my tip would be to use a slideshow than Word documents. Yeah keep it lively. Gaia, we also share it through an online slideshow and it's uh, shared with all new employees as well. But they also get a walkthrough with the dev team in terms of deadlines and also the localization team. So they know both sides of it. But then very often you have the difficulty of the teams that are spread out in different locations. Not everyone is there on site. Not everyone works in the same time zone. And I guess for Sarah, that would also be a problem since you are remote. How do you kind of work against that problem? We kept a lot of the same processes that we had when I was actually in the studio, except mm -hmm. for now the deadlines have extended a bit. So we've added on two days to account for me not being in the office in the same time yeah. zone. And um, basically everyone just adapted to the new work structure and where people are located now. So it hasn't caused that many problems within the dev team or localization because everyone knows why things have happened. So I think yeah. it's just important that people understand why things have happened and then they're fine with it. Yeah, I think it goes back to the communication part. Yeah. But I can imagine that adding two days to the <laughs> deadline or timeline um, is not easy because in localization we are always used to having to do everything as short as possible so yeah. how is actually that part of timing for our other panelists is that one of the main topics that you have to explain again and again why it takes time to do what you do we've talked so many times to the devs about our processes that we don't have that issue anymore but of course there are sometimes some really emergency stuff coming and they would ask us to localize something asap and yeah. when that happens we also make exceptions and we don't follow our processes sometimes we just fast track and sometimes we can miraculously turn around within a couple <laughs> of hours and that usually is a pleasant surprise to everybody but yeah, we're fortunately under all one roof, so it's also yeah. easy to work in a quick environment. We can just talk to a person, we can just walk to that person's desk, say, hey, we need this translation, can we make this happen? And yeah, so we're quite lucky, actually. <laughs> That's true. That's similar for us, very similar for us. And one thing that we've done all the time while educating moral um, stakeholders was telling them, Two days. Give us two days. <laughs> and then uh, usually we don't have those issues. We can also fast track, as, uh, as Leonie said. That's always a possibility, but uh, yeah. we try not to do it. It's yeah. better to keep it as a secret, I think. <laughs> exactly. Don't tell them what you are able to do, how yeah. much magic you can actually use. They'll use it against you. <laughs> 
I would add to that. Uh, I think that education part is pretty important. Uh, and I would add to that that uh, if we are able to deliver that magic, right, as uh, Lenise mentioned, it's because we are planning ahead, right? Because we have our plan A, plan B, and plan C, and we are scalable yeah. enough to, to do it. So it's not, yeah, it's, sure. Of course, you know, if, if you are not working into it, you can think that it's, uh, you know, it's like, okay, that means that you guys actually can deliver, you know, sooner than the other day right but it's no it's actually you know we are we are scalable for some occasions but you cannot use that as a like the plan you know because yeah. then uh, we don't have plan b anymore so i think it's also you know kudos for the to the project managers that are really anticipating that this is going to happen because i know how you guys work um, you know <laughs> your needs <laughs> That's true. But how is it actually for you at Ubisoft with like the different locations? Because you have studios in a lot of different oh, areas. Yeah. Is yeah. the communication sometimes a bigger problem for you? It is because in a way you tend to, and this is just natural, right? You tend to forget the people that you don't see every day. That's just yeah. natural. But at the same time, I have the feeling that the internal tools are helping a lot with that, right? So I, you are communicating daily with people through, not even email, right? Through immediate chats, you know, and, and you're working in the same type of content you are maybe it, it, this is start this collaboration starts already within the, the dev team right so maybe we have some groups of people that are working here in some features but at the same time other devs are working the same feature in other locations so they are really collaborating already at that level so uh, for for us in the local in the localization group we also have different collaborators in localization in the different regions and we just you know mirror a little bit that uh, that way of working that's why it's important that we have the tools to do it, that we are able to visualize the same content, have access to the same information in an immediate way, that we are able you know, to manipulate the same kind of uh, files or translation memories at the same time. And I think that you know, one of the big things of working with uh, big companies is exactly that, you know, they're going to provide you, you know, with all the tools that you yeah. need to deliver the best job possible. So, yeah, I totally think that is a challenge and it's a constant effort, you know, to do like, oh, yeah, I have people in the other side, right? And, uh, yeah, but it's, I think it's a matter of activating that, right? I know that in the past, for example, in, in another company, <laughs> we used to send some team pictures, right, to the other regions, <laughs> you know, so they can have it close with that idea in mind, right, of, yeah, remember, we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think. Even in uh, big companies, even if everyone is in the same location, maybe there's different floors in an office yeah. and that already makes it easy to forget about people, not only within your own area of work, but also the other stakeholders that you need to work with. So yeah, uh, I'd be interested to hear how you actually do that. Do you have common meetings with other teams that you need to work with? So, for example, QA or the developers, uh, marketing, things like that. Yeah, in my case, absolutely. And um, if you're not invited, you need to ask to be invited, right? You need to. <laughs> that's that's a part of the project manager role, I think, right? You you need to make sure that everybody gets to know you. That uh, I think that the best thing that can happen to to a PM is that you receive, you know, the invites and that people is conduct poking you in a proactive way because they need your input, right? Well, that's at least something that uh, surprised me a lot when I started uh, working at Ubisoft. It's something that happens naturally. I don't know if it's because it's a French company or why, but you know, it's something mm -hmm. that localization they have really in mind. And this is amazing. This is making my job so easy as you cannot imagine. <laughs> but 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's, but it's true, you know, I think that is part of the interpersonal skills that a good PM needs to have is to make sure that uh, everybody knows, get to know you and know what your role and know what you can bring to their project, right? What, what localization it's adding, not only translating some words here and there, right? Yeah, it's kind of understanding of the whole concept and the yeah. pros and cons and how yeah. things need to, need to work. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how you document your processes and things like that. But I'm wondering, is there also a process around reporting the project status within your company or to the different um, stakeholders? Is that something that you have structured in your organization or how do you do that? So for us, it's been a bit difficult. What we recently implemented is like a very transparent product roadmap where you go on that page and you see the roadmap for all products with all the milestones, all the live events, all the feature releases, everything that's going to happen. And that helps all the direct product support, whether it's us or support community team and so on. So it helps us with planning, planning resources, planning team size, planning everything, basically. We're also part of their stand-ups part of their plannings and retrospectives so mm -hmm. for all product teams so we're very much involved there but when it comes to process itself basically we create the pipeline depending on the step of the life cycle where the product is yeah so for live products we have very specific processes that kind of need to be held but for pre-production or prototyping maybe we're not even involved so there's always this juggle between yeah and how's that handled for the rest of you? Maybe I didn't understand your question well, but I thought you meant reporting the status of the localization. Or did you yeah, mean that? That, that as well. Yeah. yeah. So we don't actively report because we are in daily contact with the, the game teams here. We don't need an official report saying this has been done, this milestone has been achieved. But yes, we we talk regularly saying like, okay, this is done, what's coming next? Once in a while when we do big projects that are localization related, for example, adding new languages into a project, what were the researches that were made behind, things like that would be presented in a company-wide presentation, if not mm -hmm. within the group of stakeholders. Otherwise, it's all down to reporting how much we've spent, how much bookings is coming in. So basic things like that. Yeah. And how do you report these? Do you have reports that you send out or is that also kind of in, in meetings where you just give updates? Or? Yeah. We don't really have a reporting system. We get reports from our tools on an automated way about yeah. status reports, data numbers, but we are the ones who would hold a meeting with the stakeholders or start a presentation. But yeah, there's no regular reporting system. Yeah, sounds like it's more proactive than something that is required from you. Okay. Yeah. If great. somebody needs an information, they can just come to us and ask for it and it will be there. That's good. Yeah. That saves you a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> And uh, how is it for you, Sarah? Um, you have a system? Yeah, they also don't have a reporting system for localization. Basically, if they do fail to meet something or there's a delay, then just the localization project manager will let me know. And then I will let the dev teams know. And if we both happen to miss it somehow and it's in game and live, 
then obviously QA or someone is going to come to us and we'll try and fix it. But it kind of rarely happens. But yeah, usually we catch it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Catching things before uh, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for you, Concepcion, do you have like a reporting system for your project status? Oh yes. <laughs> in my case, I have I have the feeling that we track every single task, right? In a in a way, so there is a lot of agile methodologies about it, right? So we work on sprints, and it's it's not you know all that localization needs to report, right? But every team needs to report on the progress for that sprint, right? If you have an objective, if you have a task for that sprint, uh, you need to report on the progress on the status, right? If you have any obstacle, uh, you know, that is going to push it, if you're going to make it or not. So, yeah, there is a regular tracking. The good thing is that it's automated. So, you know, at okay. least we don't spend, yeah, at least we don't spend, I mean, of course, you need to put your input, right, on, on that tracking, but it's really automated. So, it's alleviating a lot of the all-time work of uh, reporting manually every single thing. So, it's it, I think it's good because it gives visibility to, again, right, it's information that everybody in the team working on the different aspects can access to. So, it gives visibility to what's going on, what's going well, what could be an obstacle. And also, at the end of these uh, sprints and the big milestones also, you know, there is these meetings where everybody comments on, on the objectives, right, for the milestone. Yeah. So in case something needs to change or adapt, modify. So it's, yeah, it's, it's visible and, uh, and yeah, absolutely. That's great. <laughs> Especially if you have a system that is automated, it helps yeah. you yeah. a lot. So the others of you that don't have such an automated reporting system, do you wish you had something like that? Or is it in your setup not necessary? to have additional reports or track all the individual steps of a process or a project? Um, on our end, we definitely have the same processes for the dev side. So we have the full tracking for everything, but it doesn't happen on the localization side. They don't, for some reason, it's just not necessary for them to track everything. So <laughs> they don't. But do you wish they would? I don't think for our team size at the moment that it is necessary for them because they're meeting things without having that extra thing there. So it's okay at the moment. And how is it for you, Yasmin and Leonie? Same for me. We have automated reports coming in from different tools for our purposes, but we don't have the necessity to have anything automated to give company-wide reports or... Yeah. So for us, it also doesn't make a lot of sense to have those. Yeah. Same. Same there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's very different as well, depending on the team size, the company size, and mm. also maybe a focus as well in what yeah. is necessary to be uh, reported. Hey. As you know, we like to keep things mostly non-commercial around here, and we like to just stick to interviewing the guests about fascinating subjects. But we would like to take a moment to mention a little bit about WordBee Translator. WordBee Translator is the translation management system developed by WordBee over the last 10 years. So we are celebrating 10 years now. It's all in one system, so you can manage projects. It also has linguistic tools. It has tools for finance, business analytics, and it's been around for 10 years, so it does pretty much anything you want. 
Before working for Wordy, I also used Wordy Translator. One of my favorite things about it was actually the invoicing because it made it really easy to manage supplier invoices, create them, and just not have to deal too much with the financial side of things. But other customers appreciate other things, like for example, it's a native cloud technology, so it's really collaborative. You know, you can keep track of what's going on in there at uh, any any moment in your project. It's easy to set up different job assignment methods. You know, you can check your stats at any time. You can see how your project managers are performing. You can see how your translators are doing. And yeah, it does pretty much everything you want. It ends up fitting your organization like a glove, as we say. So that was just a word about Wordy Translator. Now, without further ado, back to the podcast. We have another poll actually for our audience uh, about this topic, which I launch right now. So the question is whether the status of a localization project needs to be reported to everyone all the time, only to relevant teams, but constantly, as soon as there is the slightest risk for a delay, or only when it's clear that the deadline can't be met. So we already have a good tendency. And those are still coming in. Yeah, so there's a clear tendency with uh, 71% that only to relevant people, but constantly, there needs to be reporting. So what do you think about that? Can there be too much reporting and too much information? Okay, I'll start. <laughs> um, so yeah, for us, it's the same. We only give information to people that is needed and constantly, but sometimes we don't have to. We know that it's more like a service that we do, an extra service that we do saying, hey, the translations are back. And then sometimes we don't do it and the stakeholders would know what to do next anyway. Okay. And Sarah, what do you think about too much communication um, in terms of status reporting? I think there can be too much. Personally, on my end, I don't need to know everything that the localization team is doing all the time, on, only unless there's going to be a delay with one of the projects. Mm -hmm. Then I would like that information sooner rather than later so I can share it with the dev team. But I don't need to know if something's on track or anything because I expect that to be the case. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Concepcion, Jasmine, do you kind of share that opinion or do you see it differently? Sure. I am kind of divided, right? Because I would love the whole company to know what's going on with localization all the time, <laughs> right? But it's true that it is, you know, I mean, we are all focused on our job, right? So if there is nothing yeah. to report, why are you, you know, sending me this report every Wednesday? It makes no sense. So yes, even if I would love, you know, to everybody knows what's going on and our nice translations and challenges that we're facing, I think that uh, we need to be smart with it and communicate the relevant information to the relevant stakeholders. Yeah. But at the same point, I'm a really big fan of using report as, as a communication tool, as a meaning like, you know, selling a little bit also the localization efforts. So not only reporting on the on the progress, but also reporting on the achievements, right? On the nice things that we're working on. So it's a little bit a mix of, okay, this is our progress. This is going to impact you on this and that. But hey, also we have been working on this that is going to elevate a lot of your work. And we are working with this, I don't know, you know, community that is going to have a good uh, impact on the sales. So yeah, report a little bit and use it also, you know, for something. Sparky, let's put it that way. 
Yeah, I agree. I think if you over-report, then uh, bigger achievements get lost. So uh, you need to time pace it properly. Yeah, that's true. So we actually have an interesting question from the audience coming in. So the question is whether our panelists track the monthly position of their apps in app stores in the different countries and if app store optimization metrics are part of localization responsibility in your organizations or if that is more on the marketing side maybe. So in my case, I can tell you that, yes, everything is tracked <laughs> and I have access to all that information, but it really, and the rest of the localization of project managers, right? But it really depends on the time of project that you're working, right? If your project is not in, a, in that kind of platforms, right? Uh, maybe you're not checking it, but if it's something that is relevant for you, of course. But at the same time, it's true that it doesn't, is not part of the responsibility of the PM percent to decide yes or no, we're going to go this way or not. Uh, it's really a decision that it's involving the local PM, but it's more into the, the marketing and the localization management department team in this case. Mm -hmm. Of course, the, the log PM, you know, is, here, is there to, to provide uh, the, the recommendations. Thank you. And how is that for our other panelists? Are you tracking any of those uh, rankings? Yeah, so we, we have also access. So we're also tracking the mm -hmm. charts and uh, see what our products are doing. But uh, ultimately, that's the marketing team responsibility. For App Store optimization, we had a few joint efforts to optimize it further. But again, it's it's more on the marketing side than on us. And as Constantine mentioned, it's we can share recommendations and what we think would make sense, but it's their decision in the end. Leonie, you wanted to say something as well. Uh, yeah, sorry. We don't regularly check how our, our gains are positioned in each country from the localization team. Although if we had more time, I think that's something we would be doing more often. But we do work very closely with the marketing team right now. So we're involved in the ASO process. We're involved in transcreation of App Store mm -hmm. assets and also the UI videos. So we're not totally responsible. We're more like one of the partners that the marketing team works with. Yeah. In terms of marketing, yeah. Okay, and do you also compare kind of the differences between the countries? So if you see there is a, for example, a huge difference in the ranking between one country and the other, and let's say this, in Italy, there is the app is ranking much lower than everywhere else, and there is no Italian localization. Is that something that you would pick up on and report it out to kind of also make a case that localization has an impact on the performance? We check the game data that we get based on what we have out there. And based on that, sometimes we say, okay, we are getting kind of bookings coming from this country or this language. Maybe this is something that the game teams would like to know and maybe consider adding localization at a later point. We don't actively look into app any or app categories, rankings to see, oh, this one is better than the other country. Mm -hmm. But when we start or launch a new game, what we do is do a complete brand new research on all the competitors and also check what they localize, what they choose to localize their apps into, 
based on also their genre, the titles that they produce. Yeah. And also we compare that against our existing data and say, okay, for this new title, we would recommend you to localize into these following languages. So we sort of do that, but not on a monthly basis per se. Mm-hmm. And so the languages that you launch your games in are not necessarily always the same for every title? No. Okay. It's tailored um, and we did the research, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And would you prefer that more of that responsibility would actually lay in the localization department because you also have kind of expertise on the expectations from different countries, the different cultures, you have the knowledge within the team or also with the resources that you work with. So would you appreciate if you had time or also responsibility to proactively look into this? Or do you think it's something that is actually better suited for other departments? I think that uh, there's a lot of aspects more than to localization at least, you know, my responsibilities when entering a new market, right? Uh, you need to make sure that in terms of legal aspects, you can enter the market with the product that you are presenting, that you have the support that the company wants to deliver to the players, so and and so on, so on, right? So I think that is not one department decision. I think that is a common effort. And of course, mm-hmm. consider the localization needs to be there. And I think that... Um, all of us, right, needs to be there represented with recommendations and our voice needs to be to be strong because, you know, we are the experts of the culture, of the expectations of the player and so on. But there's a lot of aspects also that we need to understand, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, I think that the selected language are a mix between the different compromises, right, that the company needs to take into account. Yeah, I agree. Like we as the localization team have actually been in charge of app store optimization for one of our products that was in soft launch. Not saying okay. it's not in soft launch anymore because of us, but uh, we've played around <laughs> with different stuff. And uh, what we learned was that definitely it's the best to do it as a team effort with marketing experts, with localization experts, with user acquisition experts, and also with the design team of the product because you want to deliver this aligned brand voice everywhere within the game, outside of the game, and so on. So I think it's really important that many, that all the stakeholders are aligned and uh, to push the same message everywhere in all channels. Yeah. How is it for you, Sarah? No, I agree as well. Actually, since we moved, so basically Gaia did buy part of the Beijing studio of Kabam. And since we moved across, we actually cut some localization based on our ranking in certain countries. So we have cut a few languages and the cut was made without discussing things with the localization team, which could have helped to optimize it. Um, So I think that it's come to a realization within the studio that localization is more important than they first thought and how it can actually impact the ranking of a game in a certain country where now we don't localize at all. So I think it's important to, yeah, do it all together as a team with marketing as well, rather than them just making the decisions themselves about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's an important part that often the decisions are taken too quickly yeah. without also looking at all the, the aspects. And then you'll notice later on. But have you kind of in general, have you noticed that 
the importance of localization has grown within your organizations? Do you feel that discussions around localization are maybe nowadays easier than they were a couple years ago? Or is it the same? It's gotten easier a lot, mostly because of the things I mentioned at the beginning, education and so on, but also as localization became a basic requirement for launching products. Like you, you don't see products on the stores English only anymore. It's basically impossible. The least you see is fixed, but you probably see 10 to 15 languages per, per game. So uh, it's kind of natural. And then the question more becomes, what languages instead of yeah. should localize? Exactly. Yeah. For us, I think, so in terms of the number of languages that we localize these days have decreased. We used to do a lot more localization. We used to have Arabic and Indonesian, but these days we are, I would say, a bit more careful or we publish an app with a few languages first to see how the app goes and then carefully choose which markets to go to go next and then add the languages. So in terms of the amount of languages that we process has decreased, but I feel like in our company, the position of localization grew more. Even if we're a smaller team, um, we really made a big effort to connect with the game teams and the marketing teams and other stakeholders in the company, not just in the meetings, but we also try to meet them for coffee or go for lunch together. There's also Friday beer o'clock where we can just <laughs> casually have a beer. And so it I feel like I, it always helps for sure. <laughs> there are a lot of parties too, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I feel like in these kind of uh, opportunities made us get awareness uh, spread throughout the company even more. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Strictly speaking of languages, number of languages, we've decreased, but I feel like our presence is bigger and we have a bigger say into localization and marketing strategy these days. Okay, that's great. We just got another question, or a few questions actually, uh, from the audience. So there is a question around the reporting part again and the reporting system. So what are the gaps in the reporting systems that you have right now? And what would you like to track, but are not able to track right now for technical reasons, for example? I want to know the number of players in, the, in each country that is playing. Okay, I start my game. I'm start playing in Spanish because, you know, it's my, I usually play my language. And if that happened, you know that some players change at some point. Yeah, okay, I'm going to keep yeah. the audio in, in Spanish, but I'm going to switch the whole interface into English or Japanese, I don't know. So, and that data, I don't have it. I have it separately, but I don't have that data. So I would love to, to know, you know, that uh, what. So, because that's going to help, to help me to understand, you know, in which moment the player decide to change and why is that. So, yeah, that's something that I would like to have that I don't have today. <laughs> Okay, that's great. And uh, how is it for you guys? Anything that you wish you would know, but you can't track it? In terms of tracking, I think we already have everything set for us. Of course, the, the information that we really would like to know just to serve the players better is the things that you can track, right? Like, why do you choose to play in a certain language? Is it because that's your native language or is it because you want to try to learn 
to learn a new language. Mm -hmm. There are lo lots of questions that we'd like to know, but in terms of reporting systems, I don't see that there are any gaps so far that I know. Okay. Any gaps at Nordius when it comes to reporting? Same for me. I have everything that I need for making decisions, basically. So I'm, I'm not missing any numbers. That's good. Is there any information that you're curious about that you wish you'd be able to, to see? Uh, mostly about the uh, quality. Like there are things we've done with our community before, asking them whether they read the text in the first place. Do they prefer text or icons, for example, like the back yeah. arrow or written back? Um, stuff like that. But uh, we got what we got out of those interviews was they actually care about text. They prefer text. And uh, they would maybe stop playing the game if the quality dropped or if the language was removed yeah. and so on. Uh, okay. Those insights we got, we got like two years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll do a follow-up on that. But those are more of the, not the actual data, but more like talk to the users and see what's yeah. in their mind. How they so it's appreciate. opinion rather than yes. data. And I, how I have a following question, but how, how do you Go. do that? Did you do a survey? Uh, it, a... it was uh, it was through the forum. Our community manager approached engaged players um, through the forum for languages that we have in-house. And then um, with employees that are in-house, we had Skype uh, calls, like one hour long Skype calls with uh, different topics regarding localization and localization quality. So based on that, we created reports and then we saw, okay, Players would stop playing the game if the language is not available anymore. They would consider leaving the game if the quality dropped a lot. All of these things that I, that I just mentioned. So we approach them through the forums. We also have the possibility to approach them through the game itself. We can have surveys in the game as well. But then you need to think about the motivations of them making that survey. Whether it's like in-game currency or they just want to do it for a better experience and so on. You can never be sure. But for people who are on the forum and have a lot of posts and so on, you know that they are just engaged. So they care about the game. So yeah, thanks. And Sarah, is there any information that you're missing that you wish you would have? For me, it comes actually from running live events, which we some of them we localize and some of them they choose not to localize. And I'd like to know if that is actually impacting the player's experience, depending mm -hmm. on whether they're reading the event in English even though it's in their own country or if they're reading it as a localized text. So I'm yeah, interested to know how the decision is made for which events and how that's impacting the players as well. Okay. Do you yeah. have any ways to engage with your players? Do you also have forums that you can get information from or? Oh, yeah, we do. We have a online communities for all the games and it's run by the community managers and in-game mods as well but it's not something that I'm really involved with. So I guess the reporting would have to come from them. And uh, yeah. I'm not so proactive in getting that from them at the moment. Yeah. Okay, great. There was another question that came in and it's again about reporting, but it's kind of how do you report project risks? So if you see something is going wrong, when do you raise the red flag and how do you do that? And to whom are you reporting those issues? Well, I, I would say that the one is as soon as possible. <laughs> On my case, I, I usually used to create, you know, this kind of risk report 
that are usually related to the to the milestones of the tasks that we're working with, and always with a mitigation plan, right? So you are not just, hey, we have a problem. <laughs> so you also have, you know, a mitigation plan and and the priority of the risk. You know, if it's going to happen for sure, it's probably not going to happen. You know, it's going to impact just a few. You know, players. So you know, to, to you are able to to level a little bit uh, the the issue that you are facing at the moment, and then again to the different stakeholders, right, that are going to need to to do something about it, that are going to be impacted about it, right. Is that similar for the rest? I see a lot of people nodding. So there actually just was a follow up uh, to that: is if something goes really really bad. Do you have the power to stop a project? Let's say you can see the localization is not coming in on time, uh, not necessarily your fault, things have gone wrong in the past. Can you say this project can't be, this game can't be shipped? Yes. Good. And uh, how do you do that? Has that happened a lot <laughs> in the past? Actually, no. no. It was for a thing we had like once or twice for feature releases, not for actually games, mm -hmm. for games, yeah. for features. When Lock was submitted late, so we got it one or two days later than we should have for the release. Yeah, yeah and then we, we, can, we can't release a game that is half in English, half in German. What we have done to prevent this is to be able to publish latest text without an update on the stores. Okay. So, uh, you can always update the text without updating the actual game on the stores. And that helped us a lot because then the game could have been sent for review, for example, to Apple. And in the meantime, like one day later, we get the locales and publish them, and the users still don't have the update, so they will get it a day later or so. So those are situations where you don't like them too much, but it happens. Of course. Yeah, but in general, yeah, it happened like once or twice for us. Okay. Anyone else that feels that they have enough power in that regard that they can kind of say no if it doesn't work? Or is it something where you get a lot of pressure to make ends meet, even if it's hard? We almost never missed a deadline, I have to say. But let's say it's usually more like a, a domino effect. It's not because of our deadline that things got delayed. It, it could be that something crucial happened in the game that needed to be fixed, and now the text strings had to change because of that. And the turnaround had to be immediately, I mean, the text had to be delivered immediately. And in really, really emergency cases, we are fortunately, I know we're based in Berlin, but we have so many native speakers within the company of several languages. We just ask them, hey, uh, we have this one text that needs to be translated and can you please do that for me? And there are like really those kind of very rare emergency times that we have to do that. And we have a dedicated chat uh, channel for that within Slack, within each language so that there's a channel for Japanese speakers or German speakers, and then whoever has time could actually help us out. And then we can actually ship something immediately. And then of course, provide the proper translation in a later release, which happens anyway, very soon after. Yeah. So maybe we have time for just one last question that just came in, which is actually really interesting. And it's 
What is the shortest, fastest dev cycle that you believe your log process and team could successfully sustain on a permanent basis? And you are to assume that the word count does not matter. So how fast can you turn things around? Yeah, I would say that is needed, right? If I mean, there's a lot of factors that you need to take into account. I keep saying that we need to be scalable, right? And we need to have plan A, B, and C. Yeah, well, of course, we have some limitations, right? But if if we are involved, we mean in localization, if we are involved, if you want me to deliver, you need to, you know, to allow me to plan ahead, right? So this yeah. is a team effort. If you want me to in one day deliver, you know, in two hours because you need it. So, okay, I can make it happen. But before that, you know, uh, you need me to, to, to plan accordingly. I yeah. don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> I think... It does, I think it's a question that is really hard to answer as well because there's always a lot of limitations and it's hard to imagine a world where the word count doesn't matter and uh, yeah. the volume of a project or product doesn't matter. But is there kind of a time frame that you say is the minimum that's needed for localization? that say you need minimum a day, you need minimum two days, because there's a set of... <laughs> oh. It'd be two or three days. One day with, with solid quality as well. Yeah. But uh, ideally, we would give them two days to, to translate properly, review properly, and we have enough time to QA and so on. So uh, ideally for us, it's two days. Yeah, so basically it always comes down to of the time and the quality that is possible to deliver so the better you want to do it uh, the more time you need but a lot of magic can happen uh, as we heard <laughs> in localization so we are already at the end of our panel so thank you guys very much it was really interesting to talk to you and to hear a little bit about your ways of dealing with uh, the day-to-day -day challenges and how you go about your reporting how much is uh, necessary and uh, how much is sometimes not necessary so that was really interesting to see also the differences between the different uh, companies and the team sizes thanks and i hope you enjoyed it also uh, thanks for all the questions that were asked by the audience that was also really interesting we have a couple more that we might follow up on later on and i wish you all good afternoon and bye bye bye, bye.